last week was Easter Sunday, and we talked about our resurrected Savior. And I mentioned then that we would be taking a second, uh, a second Sunday, another Sunday, to examine what Luke has to say about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is part two of that, uh, that sermon. Turn with me to Luke 24. In Luke's Gospel, he actually presents the resurrection in Luke 24 as uh, three scenes uh, that are all the evidence of uh, Jesus Christ coming back to life. The first part of that is the women that were visiting the tomb and they found it empty and were told by the angels that Christ was not there, that he had come back to life. We actually examined that part of Luke 24 a year ago at Easter. The the second scene in Luke 24 about the resurrection of Jesus is the the disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, where they're walking along, debating and discussing all the things that had taken place, uh, and discussing that Jesus, they're hearing reports that he has come back to life, that the tomb was empty, and then Christ comes alongside of them and walks the rest of the road to Emmaus with them, and they don't realize it's him until they sit down at dinner together and he breaks the bread in their presence, and they realize it's Jesus, uh, and they rush back to Jerusalem to tell the others. He really is alive. That's scene two. We looked at that last Sunday. And so we're picking up with the third scene, the third part of the resurrection evidence that Luke presents. Uh, And so I'm going to read the text for us from Luke 24, starting in verse 36, and then I'll pray for us. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought, to the, and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate ate in their presence. He told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, 
And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the scriptures that remind us that we worship a Savior that is alive, that we have a Savior that is living. Uh, I pray that we will be encouraged today as we examine this text on the resurrection. I pray that uh, those who are here who have not believed that, Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes to see and give them a mind and a heart to believe the good news of the gospel. But for all of us, change us. Continue to shape us into the people you want us to be because of the truth of your word, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to continue on. We looked at three kind of truths about the resurrected Savior last Sunday, and we're continuing on with that today. The first truth from today's passage is this. The resurrected Savior offers peace to his followers. The resurrected Savior offers peace to his followers. So disciples uh, are locked in a room. We learn this from John's gospel, uh, that they are terrified of the Jews, meaning the Jewish religious leaders, those who had handed Jesus Christ over to be crucified. They are afraid of what might now happen to them. And so they are locked away and Jesus comes to them like as they are terrified, as they are full of fear of what has happened and what might happen, Jesus comes to be with them and offer them peace. Verse 36 to 43, as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So Jesus comes to them while they're locked away in a room full of fear. And verse 36, it was as the disciples from the Emmaus Road were explaining what had taken place to them, right? We, the passage last week, we saw that they rushed back to Jerusalem, found the eleven and those that had gathered with them, and they started to tell them everything that had happened. He followed, like he went with us on the road, and he was teaching Scripture to us, but we didn't know that it was Jesus. And then we sat at a table together, and he broke bread and blessed it, and all of a sudden we realized it's him. He was with us this whole time, and then he disappeared from our sight. So those disciples are telling this story. They're explaining everything that had happened, just overjoyed 
that Christ isn't dead anymore. He really is alive. And in that moment, as they are saying these things, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them. With the doors locked, He appeared right there with them. And He offers them peace. Peace to you. And yes, that is a standard greeting for the day. To offer peace to those people as you are coming uh, into the presence of others. But that's also exactly what these disciples needed. They needed peace. Their hearts were greatly troubled. Troubled over things that had happened. They had watched Him be crucified. And watched Him be buried. And now there's all these stories about the tomb is empty. Some people are saying they've seen Him. They needed peace. And Jesus draws near to them and He comforts them by offering peace to them. And isn't that just like our Savior? To come to us without a condemning tone, that might be how we would respond But we don't have Jesus showing up and asking them, And where were you three days ago? You who said you would be with me to the end. And what about you, Peter? You said that you would die with me if that's what it took. And you denied me over and over again. That may be how we would respond, but that's not our Savior. That's not Jesus. He doesn't come with a condemning tone about their failures in that moment. He comes to them and offers peace to them. Peace to you. Even seeing Him, even hearing the reports that He was not in the tomb, that some have seen Him and that He's back alive, they're still in disbelief. They're terrified in that moment. They, the Scripture says they thought maybe they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus spends these moments with them, assuring them He, he really is alive. He didn't stay dead. He's actually Flesh and bones standing in their presence. And so Jesus wants to prove that to them, that they don't have to be afraid, uh, and that He is there to comfort them and offer them peace. And so He says, look, I'm, I'm not a ghost. Look at me. Like, you can touch me. Reach out. Touch my hands. Look at my feet. I'm really here. Flesh and bones. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm alive and I'm with you. And so he is trying to assure them and comfort them in this moment that they're so confused and so terrified. And again, it's important that we recognize and confess that when Scripture talks about the resurrection of Jesus, it's talking about a physical resurrection. He was flesh and bones alive again. He had died Heart stopped, breathing stopped, in the grave, dead. But he came back to life miraculously. The grave could not hold him. And so it's important that we understand that his resurrection was a physical resurrection. And last week we looked at, you know, Paul teaching us that's how we know we have hope. That's how we know that we too will be resurrected one day is because Christ has conquered the grave. So he was physically 
present with them and he wants them to be assured of that. And so he goes even a step further as they are overwhelmed. It says they, like because of their disbelief, because of their joy, it was like they were so joyful and excited that they, they actually, it was hard to believe. Have you ever had something that was such good news? That's almost like, I, I can't believe this is real. It was one of those moments of like, pinch me. You know, is this actually taking place? And they, they still are struggling to believe that it's actually him with them. And so he says, well, do you have anything to eat? And he eats a piece of fish in their presence. One more way to assure them, like, I really am here. It's not a figment of your imagination. I'm not a spirit. I'm flesh and bones with you. He's comforting them. Letting them know that everything's okay and that, that they can have peace over what has taken place. And so we have a resurrected Savior that offers us peace. When we're troubled, when we're doubting, the resurrected Savior, Jesus, offers us peace, even when we failed Him, even when we've maybe sinned in some of the most grievous ways. We have a Savior who offers peace, who, who came so that we could have peace. He made it possible. He accomplished everything that was necessary so we could have peace with God. So, have you failed Him again in some way this week? Have you sinned in a horrible way this week? Have you been indifferent maybe to Him and, and what He's done in your life this week? We have a Savior who, even in those moments, comes to us and offers us peace. When you're doubting, when you're troubled, He offers peace to us. The second thing we're going to see from this text is this. The resurrected Savior offers instruction to His followers. The resurrected Savior offers instruction to His followers. Verse 44, He told them, These are My words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about Me in the law of Moses... The prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus, the resurrected Savior, offers instruction to his followers. Well, instruction concerning what? Well, he offers them instruction concerning himself. And instruction concerning God's redemptive plan. What God had been planning to do all along. What he had been promising, what he had been pointing to throughout the scriptures. What he was saying was going to happen to his son and through his son, that Jesus' death and burial and resurrection were actually part of God's plan to bring about redemption to this broken and lost world. And so he told the disciples in verse 44 and 45, we say there, that he, he tells them, remember what I told you. Remember what I said to you while I was with you, that 
all the, the, the words concerning me in the law of Moses, all the words consider, con, pointing to me in the prophets, all the words in the Psalms about me had to be fulfilled. All of it. Not just parts of it. All of it had to be fulfilled. And then in verse 45, he does like what he did with the Emmaus Road disciples. This is the second time just in Luke 24 we see that Jesus teaches them from the Scripture. He opens their minds to understand what it is that God had been doing, what it is that God had been planning through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so he opens up the Scriptures to them. We don't know what all that included. The text here doesn't say, but we do know that there, the Old Testament Scriptures were full of things that were pointing to Jesus, full of promises of God sending the, the promised one who was going to finally right all the wrongs. And so some of the things Jesus may have talked to them about may have been, do you remember Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned? You remember the, that everything is cursed because of that, but God gives a promise and He says to the serpent, you'll be at enmity with the woman and she with you and her offspring and your offspring, but one day, one of her offspring, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And Jesus would have told them that that was pointing to me that the the bruise on my heel happened at the cross but I didn't stay dead but there was a lethal blow that took place with the serpent that was pointing to me that was a promise of me coming to crush the serpent and what about do you remember Abraham and Isaac that Abraham and Sarah had waited for so long for that promise to be filled. Decades of waiting for that child. And then one day, God said to Abraham, I want you to take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Do you remember that scene? Do you remember that story? And the disciples saying yes. And he asked them, so, so what did Isaac ask Abraham on that day as they were walking up the hill? And one of them speaking, I can see them saying, well, he asked Abraham, where's the sacrifice? That's right, he did. And, and Abraham said, the Lord's going to provide. The Lord's going to provide. And do you remember the scene? He uh, is about to sacrifice Isaac. And what happened? There was a ram caught and an angel told Abraham, don't hurt the boy. Your boy's going to live and the ram served as a substitute. The ram was sacrificed so that Isaac could live. That story was pointing to me, Jesus said. That story was pointing ahead that I would take the death so that God's people could live. And he would have likely walked through the Passover lamb. The reminder that, do you remember every year when you celebrate Passover... And you're reminded that it was the Lamb's blood that was shed so that your people would live. That was pointing ahead to me. Do you remember the suffering servant that would be pierced 
that would be wounded, that would be crushed so that you could be healed. That was pointing to me. Do you remember my words from the cross? Three days ago, those words came from David a thousand years before the cross. We read from Psalm 22 some of these words. This is David speaking. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? Skipping down to verse 7. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. And then 16 through 18. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves. They cast lots for my clothing. A thousand years before Christ was on the cross, David describing some horrific thing that he's going through, and these are the words that he chose to describe himself because God was pointing ahead to what was going to happen to the true David on the cross. Verse 46 and 47 talks about the Messiah suffering and dying and rising again on the third day. Psalm 16, David again speaks about, You will not abandon me in Sheol. You will not let your Holy One see decay. I can see Jesus reminding them of those words. Saying, I was in the grave, but God did not abandon me. The Father did not abandon me there. I did not decay. I'm here, flesh and bones, alive. And then concerning the part of repentance and forgiveness of sins being uh, proclaimed to all nations, you can see Him reminding them of the promise to Abraham, in you all nations will be blessed. I can see Him talking about in Isaiah where one of the passages talking about the Messiah says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus Christ was fulfilling God's plan of redemption. It was all part of His plan. And so for us, it's good for us to to look through Scripture from this light, to, to be looking at Scripture through this lens, that the Bible is a story of God's redemptive plan, God's plan to rescue us and redeem us. And there's some really helpful resources for this, uh, especially just helping us start to see Christ throughout the Old Testament. Uh, some of those resources, if you want to look up Tim Keller's sermon uh, on Jesus being the true and better, he walks through so many stories from the Old Testament and points out how those stories, uh, Christ was a true and better fulfillment of that. Yes, those people really lived and those events really took place, but they were pointing ahead to Jesus Christ. A person who uh, 
influenced Keller heavily uh, was Edmund Clowney. Ed, Ed Clowney has a book called The Unfolding Mystery. If you wanted to study a little bit of that uh, story through the Old Testament, God's redemptive plan that was being fulfilled through Jesus, and he, story after story after story, Clowney says, this was pointing to Jesus, the Savior, to come parents and grandparents, for your kids and grandkids, you could get them the Jesus Storybook Bible, one of the most beautiful storybook Bibles. Uh, And I love the way Sally Lloyd-Jones writes, uh, pointing all those Old Testament stories ahead to Jesus Christ. And if you want a copy for yourself but don't want the kid's Bible, she has an adult version of that called The Story of God's Love for You. So these are just some of the resources that you could use to help you start reading Scripture in light of God's redemptive plan, of what God was planning to do through Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you to do that. Examine Scripture in light of that, right? In the Old Testament, how's it pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ? How does it express the need for Jesus Christ? In the New Testament, uh, let it remind us of what Christ has accomplished and, they, and then let that drive how we live because of what Christ has accomplished. And in all of that, let's be amazed at God's plans, God's work, God fulfilling His purposes in order to rescue and redeem us. The third truth that we see is this. The resurrected Savior commissions His followers. The resurrected Savior commissions His followers. Verse 48 and 49. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. So the mission that Jesus leaves his followers with is their mission is to bear witness to these things. God sent his own son, Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life. And then he died in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved, so that we could be brought back into a relationship with God. You're to be a witness of these things to the lost and dying world, to the hopeless world, witness that there's hope because of Jesus Christ. In Matthew, we get a more detailed account of that Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. And then verse 49 is really good news for us because we've been given a big task to be a witness of all that God has accomplished through His Son And the great news concerning that commission is you're not doing it on your own. Does he tell the disciples, wait until you are empowered from on high. Wait because I'm sending you the promise 
of the promise that you were given of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not only be with you, but will be in you. So you have the Spirit of God working in you to be able to fulfill this commission. Everything that you're being called to do, the way that you're to live, and the way that you're to be a witness of what Jesus Christ has accomplished, God sent His Spirit to indwell believers so that they can do those things for His glory. And we believe and we confess that this is still our mission. We are to bear witnesses of Jesus Christ and what He's done, that He died for our sins, and that we can be forgiven because of the sacrifice that He made. Sharing the faith with others is a task that the Lord has given every single one of us. And the good news is He's empowered us to do it. You may think, well, I just don't have that great of a story. You know, I, I hear some people and they've done all, like they lived this life of crime or they did all these horrible things and then, and then God rescued them out of that. And those are such compelling stories and they are. But remember, the story more than anything, is what Jesus has done. We don't have to worry about our story. We certainly want to use that. This is how God has worked in me. This is how God has rescued me. But our part of the story is not what is compelling. It's that Jesus came. That Jesus died. That Jesus was a sacrifice for us. We are to be witnesses of that. So let's be faithful to that task. And as far as our ministries here at Dogwood Church, we want our ministries faithful to that task. We want to ask the questions, are we making disciples and are we helping disciples grow? Are we helping them learn and grow in their spiritual process? The fourth thing that we see is this, the resurrected Savior returned to heaven to benefit his followers. The resurrected Savior returned to heaven to benefit his followers. Now, the text actually just talks about the ascension of Christ. We're going to rely on what other parts of Scripture tell us to realize that that was a benefit to us as believers in Jesus Christ. So, verse 50 to 53. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising God. Now we learn in Acts that this wasn't immediately. This was actually 40 days later. Uh, Luke's second part to this story Right? His gospel is the first part. His second part to this story is the book of Acts. And in Acts 1, he says that this was after 40 days with them. After teaching them and, and being with them for 40 days, then he went out to Bethany and he lifts up his hands to bless them. And as he's doing so, he is carried into heaven. He ascends into heaven. And so relying on other sections of Scripture, we see that this was to benefit the followers of Jesus. This was better for them. And you might think, well, how could it be better for them if their, their Savior 
was with them, how is it better for him to go away? And so we learn in Scripture that one, it's a benefit because we have the Spirit. If Christ ascends, if he goes back to the Father, he promised, I will send the Spirit to be with you and in you, is what he tells them in John's Gospel. You will have the Spirit of God in you. So not only God with us, Jesus Christ, God in us, God working in us, God indwelling us in the Holy Spirit. That's a benefit to followers of Jesus, to have the Spirit of God actually working to change us into the people that He wants us to be. We also learn of another benefit of Him being Uh, ascending back to the Father and being seated at the right hand of the Father is it's a reminder to us that the work of salvation is completed. Yes, there's still things for us to do, but the work of salvation is done. Christ has finished the task. And so He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we also learn that it's a benefit to us that Christ has ascended to the Father because Jesus now at the right hand of God is serving as an advocate for us. He is interceding for us. And the result of all of this for these disciples and the result for us should be the same. Worshiping Jesus and being in awe of everything that God has done to rescue us. Right? It says they were in the temple regularly, daily praising God for everything that He has done. And so for us, we're reminded our Savior is in heaven now for us. That's settle arts to remind us we're not having to work for our salvation. We're not having to try to finish some kind of task. Jesus Christ has completed the, the work of salvation He's done the work of redemption for us. And now it should comfort us knowing that we have a Savior who's interceding and advocating for us. So let's continue to rely on the Spirit that He's given us. Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God in you. Let's rely on the Spirit to, to continue to shape us, to continue to help us battle sin, to continue to make us look more and more like Jesus. The message of Luke 24 calls us to believe in the resurrected Jesus and to let our lives be changed because it's true. So if you have questions about Jesus Christ, if you have questions about salvation and and how you can trust in Him, believe in Him, and, and be forgiven for your sins, please see me after the service or one of our ministry leaders or elders. We'd love to be able to talk with you more. If you want to schedule a meeting with me, we can do that and talk another day. Church, for us, as we believe this good news, as we believe the best news that we will ever receive, let's live in awe, just complete awe and wonder of our God and what He has accomplished through Jesus Christ, His Son. Now let's keep learning about His promises of redemption Let's keep learning about the hope that we have because of His redemption. And through all of that, let's be a great commission people. 
a people who are on mission for Christ, whether that's here in our neighborhoods or around the to the ends of the earth, let be, let's be faithful to sharing the good news, to being witnesses of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose on the third day. He's worthy of all of this. Let's pray. God, you are so good and faithful to a people who are often faithless or of very little faith. And we see that especially in what you've accomplished through sending Jesus for us. Help us believe. Help us follow in obedience. Help us walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to do exactly what it is you have for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.